Thank you for listening to this podcast message from Stowe Presbyterian Church. This message was given by Pastor Bob Stanley. Friends, as we finish up the book of Romans, in chapter 11 at least, we're going in chapter 12 next time. Chapter 11, it's an interesting chapter, and as we're working through it passage by passage, it's clear that Paul wants us to understand our great need to have a Savior, and that's okay. We've learned about that need, and we've seen Paul go back to the Old Testament time and time again to show us how God's Word is connected together. So now as we finish up with chapter 11, we want to see how God is at work in our hearts and lives, and He's at work through the things that we understand and the things that make sense to us, and through the things that do not make sense to us. And God wants us to know that He's there and He's working in our lives. He has it all together, and He has us right in His hands. He's at work even when we don't know it, let alone when we do know it or we know that we're in trouble and we cry out for help. And so as we study this end passage in Romans chapter 11, starting in verse 25 today, we're going to see how majestic and glorious our God is because through the things that we understand, through the things that we don't, through Him working in different people in different parts of time in that redemptive history of His Word, we're going to see that God is always drawing us in, that we would belong to Him, that we would understand the mystery and the majesty of his love. So let's look at Romans chapter 11, starting in verse 25. Lest you be wise in your own sight, I do not want you to be unaware of this mystery, brothers. A partial hardening has come upon Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And in this way, all Israel will be saved, as it is written, the deliverer will come from Zion. He will banish ungodliness from Jacob, and this will be my covenant with them when I take away their sins." As regards the gospel, they are enemies for your sake, but as regards election, they are beloved for the sake of their forefathers. For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. For just as you were at one time disobedient to God, but now have received mercy because of their disobedience, so they too have now been disobedient in order that by the mercy shown to you, they also may now receive mercy. For God has consigned all to disobedience that he may have mercy on all. Oh, the depths of the riches and the wisdom of the knowledge of God, how unsearchable his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? Or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. As we move on into God's word, we have to face some of the mysteries. Some of the mysteries of this world. I was reminded of one of these yesterday when I was at Cedar Point with our our student ministry. We took nine students to Cedar Point and ran around with them. Many of them are are middle schoolers and, and they had never really been on a lot of roller coasters. So one of the mysteries is what it takes to get a middle schooler onto a roller coaster. So I, we faked them out. We're like, hey, we're going to ride the gatekeeper. It's not a big deal, guys. Now, if you know the gatekeeper, it's just short of training for NASA. <laughs> Trust me, I know. I know these things. I really do. So they threw, we threw them on there, some of them, and a few of them were like, no way. So you know, we, worked, we worked them up through some things, and they had a great time. And they came off with this, this look of sheer excitement and terror at the same time. I think that was awesome, I think. They were totally freaked out. But, you know, that's why we love amusement parks, because it has all the highs and the lows, all the ups and the downs. You know, we put them on the Dodgem cars. Have you ever noticed that nobody dodges anybody on the Dodgem cars? Why do they actually call them Dodgem cars? Because you're really just setting people up to sin. 
because you're going to break the rules, right? I mean, you are. But, you know, you think about this. If you've ever gone to an amusement park, whether it's Cedar Point, I remember this winter, we went to Universal. Universal Studios in Florida, and we went right after Christmas, which is one of like, like the busiest time to be there, like early January. And this is the time when nerds from around the world gather to check out Harry Potter stuff. That's what I discovered. Everywhere, I'm not trying to be mean, there were nerds from around the world. If I saw one more person in a sweater with a, like a little electric wand doing crazy stuff, and I'm, I'm, I'm not a Harry Potter fan, like it's fine, I don't really know much about it, other than his food's expensive, and like his movies are really long, and I, I don't know, like I, I was just there with my family. It was kind of like Marshawn Lynch from the NFL, I was just there so I didn't get fined. You know, I just like showed up and paid for everything. That's what I was doing as a dad, I was taking my kids around and... Everywhere I turned, I was like penned in. I was like stuck. Like I was in some like dystopian horror film where we're all getting herded along somewhere and I didn't know what was happening. And if you've been to Universal, they have like this, it is like kind of 1984 Orwellian. They have these big screens with like Jimmy Fallon or The Simpsons or whoever. And they like take you into this room and you're kind of stuck while they're trying to make you realize that you have to actually wait for like an hour and a half for this like three minute ride and you have to go to the bathroom and you can't get out. And you're not sure what to, has anybody ever, am I the only dad that's ever gone through this? <laughs> Grandparents, like, have you done this stuff? Like, parents, yes. You're stuck, and they're, like, trying to, like, distract you so you don't think about how, like, how many people are surrounding you. And so I found myself, though, what happens, whether you're at Cedar Point, in Cedar Point, old school amusement parks, it's a little different, but when you're kind of in groups where there's, like, maybe 50 or 80 of you, like, somewhere like Universal, you have, like, a number or a color or whatever, you know what I mean? Something kind of twisted happens. You start trying to figure out how you can make your way towards where the doors are going to open so you can somehow kind of get to the front of the line. Maybe I need help and I'm the only one that's done this. Do you know what I'm talking about? So, like, you realize I'm going to get ahead here. I'm not going to cheat, I'm not going to lie. But I'm going to sort of almost maybe bend the rules, but really you're totally like trying to snake people and get around them, right? So you get over by the doors, and like right as the door's closing for the Spider-Man ride or whatever, and there's like that little family from Sri Lanka where you kind of like trip the kids so you can get to the front of the line, and you realize, you watch the door shut, and you're kind of like, hey, have a nice day, you know, and, the, and that, you realize like I'm a terrible person. But you, you saved yourself four minutes at the expense of your pride and like your wholesomeness and You've done this, right? You've, if you haven't done this, I'm either a really terrible person or, or we're all just lying and sinning here. I don't know what's happening. But the reality is the way this works, the way this works is we think we're going to get ahead. We think you're going to get ahead. And you find yourself when that door shuts and you're the one, whew, we just got in. You almost gloat about it. You almost feel like you've done something powerful and noteworthy, like you should have a, a documentary on YouTube or on you know, Netflix about how to really achieve success at an amusement park, like, like anybody should care about that. Maybe it's not that, maybe it's just something little in your life, maybe it's you turned in the slip for the school uh, field trip first, or you know, you're the first one, maybe, whatever it is for you, maybe at work, you're, you're the one that gets there earliest and you're the first cup of coffee and everyone comes in and you're already there. And you look at everyone else and you think to yourself, you know, if only you were as committed as I am. Maybe you do that in your spiritual life. Maybe you do this and you think, hey, you know what? 
I'm somebody really, really important. One of the hard parts about our Christian faith is that we have to wrestle with the reality that Paul has been teaching us in Romans 9, 10, 11, that we don't have it all together. But in fact, it's not that we want to be negative or really beat each other up or anything like that, but when we understand that God is our Savior, something changes in us. Something important happens in us, that God is the one who's in the redemption business. We talked about that last week. And God is the one who is calling us to know him, to trust. He's the one that's saving us. First, he called in the, his Jewish people, and he talks about the forefathers. And we studied this on Thursdays in Fantastics. If you're looking for a Bible study, we're doing Exodus. That's something you can be a part of. If that works for you, if you're free on Thursday mornings, you're welcome to come out for that because we're learning about how God is always the one redeeming. God's the one that's saving his people. He's keeping those promises he made to Abraham, and to Jacob, and to Isaac. He's keeping those promises as he raises up David, as he raises up the prophets. And Jesus Christ comes to fulfill all those promises. And God's people, even if they're not all called in now, even if the Jewish nation isn't, God calls us all in to be his covenant people. We are his new Israel. We are God's set-apart ones, his called-out ones. And we all, regardless of where we're from, what color we are, what sins we are struggling with, we ought to recognize that that pride, that selfishness that I've got together is the root of our sinfulness. It affects us in our faith where we think, you know what? If only they could be as spiritual as I can be. If only their kids or their grandkids were as spiritual as mine. If only they had the depths of knowledge of God's word that I have. Oh, someday you'll grow up and you'll be a better Christian like me. I got in the first group. You guys have to wait. I'm ahead of you. We all do it. We all do it. And Paul said to the church in Rome, they were doing it too. The Gentile Christians thought, you know, we've got the energy. We've got the spirit. We were wild and crazy. Look at our redemption story. God lifted us. We were bad. And the Jewish people said, you guys are bad. And you know, we're God's chosen people. We have the pedigree. We have the prominence. We have the lineage. We have the Old Testament. All those, we, We're the ones. We're, see, we're keeping all the rules. We're better than you. And Paul says, stop it. All of you, stop it. And what God was teaching them what Paul's saying to them through God's word, through the Holy Spirit, what he's saying to us this day is we have to understand our rebirth is rooted in Jesus Christ. The right understanding of who we are as sinners saved by grace leads us to not only live for God, to share him in our lives, we talked about that, but it leads us to this place of awe, this place of wonder where we worship God, where we say, God, you are everything, and I need you because I'm not. I'm not anything. And in chapter 11 of Romans, we've learned so much about that. This passage, quite simply, is placing the focus solely on God and away from us and whatever behavior, whatever righteous activity we think is getting us ahead. God is calling us to focus not on what we think we're bringing to the table, but on the mystery, the mysterious power of Christ Jesus on the cross to change lives. See, the problem in the church today We've been talking with our leaders about this. We've been talking with our elders. We've been talking with our staff. If you remember nothing ever from anything I've ever taught you, remember this. The problem with the church today, quite simply, is we think it's about us. We think it's about us having more stuff, having more activities, having fancier buildings or 
or things or having all that. And we should do what we do with excellence. But the simplicity of the church is this. We are broken people that know we need a Savior, and our lives are changing. Other people look at us and go, wow. You guys suck just like I do, but your life is being changed. I want that. They don't need fancier. They don't need anything that's more formal. It's okay to have some formality. That's not the problem. It's not how we're doing it. It's who we're doing it for and who captivates our hearts. It's the who that matters. Because if Jesus Christ has us, the how will take care of itself. Do you understand what I'm saying? Does this make sense? God is calling us to focus our lives on the mysterious power of the gospel. He's at work in our world, and he accomplishes his good plans through different people at different times. That's why Paul's saying here, yeah, the Jewish people, they came and they were disobedient. And God said, well, I'm going to call them the Gentiles, but I'm not going to forget my promises to Israel either. I'm going to call all people. God is calling all people into the church, not just people in Summit County, not just white people. Church has made that mistake before. You know where God is growing the church the most right now? Anybody know? China. You know where the church is exploding? It's China. It's Africa. It's South America. God is at work in different places. He's at work in places like Syria, where Christians are being exterminated, but yet the church is spreading like wildfire. How that all works, why God does it the way he does, why sometimes he allows the hearts of some people to be hardened. Europe is where the church sprang from, and it's the least Christian place on the planet right now. America's following them. We've been talking about that. We are moving away from the church at a rapid pace. And yet God is lifting up other people. Does that mean God's going to forget us? No. God is calling all of us, whether we're in a land where he is at work in ways that we can see all around us, or whether he's in a land where we're looking around and we feel like some of the prophets where we're wondering, what's happening? God is changing all people. He's calling all people. He's doing incredible things. And the great mystery, the great crisis we face, whether we're somewhere where God seems fully at work or whether we're somewhere where we're looking around and saying, what is happening? And the mystery of the gospel for each of us is the same. We ask the same question. We ask the same question. We say, why would God choose me? But let's talk for a minute about this word mystery. Mysterion is the word in the Bible. I don't do this so you think I'm smarter than you. But I do it because I want you to see this mysterion. And the idea of the word mystery means that it originates with God. It's beyond us. It's beyond what we can do. It's beyond what we can comprehend. It's beyond what we can create, beyond what we can understand. Do you see how sin has to separate from that? We think we're doing it. But the mystery of God's redeeming grace is wholly and completely separate from us. It's originating. It stays. It's always with God. It's a mystery. It's kind of funny because on Friday the 13th this week, uh, this was the 50th anniversary of Scooby-Doo. Do you guys know that? <laughs> At the end of it, I, I love Scooby-Doo. Do you guys love Scooby-Doo? Oh my gosh. 
I seriously, like, it's one of my, I own every season of it on iTunes. Like, I love Scooby-Doo. The new ones are okay. They've gotten back to it. But I loved it because at the end of every episode, you found out old Farmer Smithers was really the bad guy because he didn't want them to put a highway through his farm or I don't know, whatever it was, you know. And he would have got away with it if it wasn't for you meddling kids, right? Mystery. We think we can solve it. We always think we can find the solution. What Paul's saying here, the solution's right there. Whether you're in a land far off or a land where God seems near, whatever's going on, the mystery, the divine work of God is always the same. It's always the same, is that we would share our faith in how we live in honesty. We don't got it together. That all the nations would be blessed. We say, God, I need you. I don't have this figured out. And I'm going to just follow you. I don't even, it's faith. I don't even know what you're doing. It's a mystery. I can't understand it. Why? You do this the way you do, but I'm going to follow you by faith. And because you have obeyed my voice, God says all the way back to the beginning, this covenant that God's keeping, that he's going to call all people, that he's calling people from China and Africa and Syria and the Jewish nation that he made the covenant, he's going to complete that. Or us as Gentiles, he's going to call us all and he's going to say, hey, I'm here. And I say, follow me. We talked about that last week. Are you going to follow? And why do we struggle with that? Because deep down, we want to do it ourselves in our sinfulness. We say, God, you don't, you don't understand how bad I am. Why would you choose me? The mystery for us, the one we can't solve, the one we can't answer is we say, God, why would you choose me? Paul answers that. He says, well, hold on. Lest you be wise in your own sight, I want you. I don't want you to be unaware. I want you to understand there is a mystery here. Brothers and sisters, there's a mystery. And sometimes God hardens hearts. And then God sets them ablaze and calls them to himself. Sometimes God seems at work in a nation like he was in Israel, and then he seems like he's not, and he calls in the Gentiles. But like we learned last week, he says, but I'll even use while he's blessing you. You may look at Christians and say, what do they have? I want that. God says, I'll call some people in, and other people will look and say, I want that. And he'll, he'll even use that, that jealousy, that hunger, that why is my life so hard? Why is it so hard? I want that. He'll even use that to call people. But, you know, he says, once all those people are called, wherever they're from, once they're called, they're going to belong to me. They're going to be mine. Why does God call certain people and not others? Why does God allow hearts to be hardened? Why do sometimes the good moral people not know God, and yet the people that are the hottest messes that have made the most mistakes, God calls in and transforms their lives? Because he's God. And he'll even use that to call all those people back to him. And it's a mystery. But the question of why God would choose you is because he loves you. And all you can do is obey. And all you can do is follow. And recognize that when God calls us, wherever we're from, whatever we've done, whatever brokenness we're struggling with, that we belong to him and we're all part of the family of God. We're his covenant children. He says, all Israel will be saved. I'm going to bring them back in. The deliverer will come to Zion. All the prophets preach this. He will take away the ungodliness, the promises he made to Jacob and Isaac and Abram. And this will be my covenant with them. I will take away their sins. God doesn't save you because you're not a sinner. He saves you because you are. He saves you because you are. And the Roman church, they struggled with this. The church in America struggles with this. Whoa, we got to make sure we get this right. We got to make sure we get that right. Guys, we're not going to get any of it right. We need to be obedient. We need to surrender our hearts. We need to know we have a mess. We need to hold on to God's word. But God is saying to us, 
I'm at work in you just as I was back at the beginning with the covenant, and I will be till I finish it all at the end. It comes down to one thing. Will you in your need cry out to me and say, God, I can't save myself. I need you. God, help me. I don't have it together. God, I'm living this way, and your word says I shouldn't be. Help me. Because when you see you're not living right, and God's word tells you that, and you say, but I, I feel this way, or I like this, I do that, and God says, but I'm telling you it's bad for you. And you say, God, I trust you, and that you can save me even though I can't save myself. I'm going to trust in this mystery of the gospel that you're going to come down and grab onto me. And friends, when you do that, whether you're far off in China, whether you're here, whether you're in the depths of addiction, whether you're in brokenness, whether you're struggling because someone hurt you, whatever it is, God says, don't worry about where you are. I'll get you where you need to be. I will take away your sins because the mystery is I have chosen you. I talked about the church in China and God at work in places like Syria and China where the church is exploding like wildfire. In 20 years, China has grown from a nation of 3 million Christians to what we know of, 200 million, though the number is probably closer to five or 600. 3 million to half a billion in that part of the world. Think about that. God is still at work. The church in America is in decline, though. Gospel Coalition, a very reputable source, 82% of the world's Christian population lived in North America and Europe in 1900. In 2015, that number had dropped 38%. Since 2013, church membership and attendance has declined 10% in just six years in the Western world. That's astronomical. If, you, if you're not a statistics person, that's astronomical. And while we are praying for revival here in America, God is at work in other lands right now. The mystery of the gospel is God will use the nations to give him glory, to call all of us back to him. God is still in the redemption business, and he's still at work. And he is certainly going to call people from other places in the world or the wrong side of the tracks here or wherever they might be. That's what God's telling the Roman church. That's what he's telling us. God's majestic and glorious work is happening. The question for us, is how will we respond? How are we going to respond to the fact that no matter where we are, God is at work? People get caught up in trying to figure this all out. You know, are we left behind? What's God doing? I'm going to look for this Bible code. I'm going to do whatever. And just like my experience at Harry Potter World, God is telling us we're all say the same way. We're all in the same room waiting to get on the same ride. We're not going to slip to the front of the line. It's not going to make a difference. It's not going to make a difference. And what we learn here in this word is that God is at work. God is at work because he loves us. It's not because the ancient Israelites kept sacrifices better or because the Gentiles were a little more receptive to God. It's not because anything. It's because God is choosing us and nothing else. The mystery of the gospel is so simple. When Jesus Christ captivates your heart, all you can do is surrender. We reform people call that irresistible grace. When you're at your lowest, when you're at your most broken, when you know there's nothing you can do, and you say, God, help me. God smiles and says, I already am. 
I'm already here. I've already got you. Not because you went to church every Sunday, not because you shared that post on Facebook that said no Christians that aren't serious won't share this or whatever. <laughs> By the way, folks, watch what you're posting on Facebook. I see your stuff on Facebook. Don't be a jerk on Facebook. If you want to share the gospel, step one is don't be a jerk on social media. I love you. That goes for me too. My wife says, don't be a jerk on social media. So I haven't. You may notice that. You may be wondering, why is Pastor Bob less of a jerk? You probably wonder that often. When God's at work in our lives, the things we worry about, why is this happening? Why is the world falling apart? Why is this? God says, I'm at work and the mystery is you're not going to figure it out. You didn't find me. You didn't get the front of the line. You didn't stick your foot in the door and sneak your way in. I found you. The gifts of the calling of God are irrevocable. He, before time began, laid the foundation. You were at one time disobedient. You were a sinner. You were dead in your sin. But God has now called you in. You've received mercy. Yes, others are disobedient. And God says, I'm going to take care of that. I'm not done with them. But I have called you in. You too have now been disobedient. You've been a sinner too. But God will show mercy to you. And other people will even see God changing our lives and say, I want that. So they also may now receive mercy. God has consigned all to disobedience. You know what consignment is? Like when you go to a store and you put it up for sale? It's still yours, but it's not. You guys know what a consignment store is, right? Yeah, this makes sense, right? God says, for now, I'm going to let some disobedience happen, but I'm not going to let it happen later because all those that belong to me, all those that I found, I'm going to have mercy on all of them. I'm not going to leave any of them behind. The mystery is we need to quit figuring it out and just trust that God is in control. We're saved because God chose us. He's calling us. He's calling us. He's saying, just like I taught our kids yesterday at Cedar Point, there are ups, there are downs, there are twists, and there are turns. And you're not going to see what's coming next. Sometimes it's going to be fun, and sometimes it's not. But every time it's going to be a mystery. Every time it's going to be a mystery as to why God is saving us the way that he is. But remember what we said. Understanding why we're doing this verse by verse in Romans. Understanding leads us to live for Christ, but also to look and say, wow, why me? I don't know, but I'm so thankful. And because of that, I'm going to worship Christ. I'm going to worship him in him alone. And friends, that's the message today. That's the message today. He says, hey guys, you're all on the same ride. I found you. I've called you. It didn't matter how messy you were. It didn't matter how much you didn't have it together. It didn't matter about any of that. What matters is whether you recognize and declare in your life that Christ is King, that He is Savior, that He's glorious. Presbyterian folks, we need to be okay with worshiping God like that and just saying, God, I'm so thankful for you. We need to be okay if we're in a Bible study in a small group saying, yeah, I don't have it all together. Can you pray for me? we got to be okay when one of our neighbors is struggling, going over to them and saying, hey, how can I help? How can I love you? Because whether their heart is hard, whether they feel far off, whether they say, you know what, you Christians stink. Just say, it's okay, I love you, I'm sorry. If you need anything, let me know. 
And then you got to go back again, and that's hard. But you know what? Eventually, they're going to look and they're going to say, what is it about that person? You drive me nuts. But God will give you the grace and the love, and that mercy will flow through you. And in your life, you'll be declaring, in every little thing you do, let alone what you do, what we sing here in worship, we're all called to say the depths of the riches and the wisdom and the knowledge of God. I know God. I was far off from him, and now I know him in fullness. The mystery is he loves me. The God that is all these things loves me, and I'm not these things. But he loves me still. How unsearchable are his judgments. How inscrutable his ways. What that means is God doesn't mess it up. I know you guys all use the word inscrutable every day, right? <laughs> you guys know the word scrutiny, though, right? I grew up in a very strict home. There's a lot of scrutiny in my home. White glove inspections of a 15-year-old boy's room. Now, who I am makes sense to you, huh? Yeah. Now you know why I try to sneak to the front of the line at Universal. I got something wrong right here. Yeah. God is not someone that we can scrutinize. He's perfect. He's majestic. He is holy, but yet he loves us. God, why would you love me? I don't know, but you do. Who has known the mind of the Lord or has been his counselor? We think of that all the way back to the book of Job, earliest book probably written down. You guys know Job's the oldest book? We don't know. This is what Job asked from the beginning of time and sin. Why does God love us? Whether your life seems like it's falling apart right now like that, or whether it seems like God is at work in your life, remember that he knows all about you and me and our world, and he is at work. The mystery of God's grace is he is calling us to belong to him. There's nothing we can give him as a gift. There's nothing we can do to repay him other than to surrender and to praise him to worship him, whether it's at work, at school, at home, that we would belong to him, from him, through him, and to him are all things. Do we understand that? That's our calling today. As we go into Romans 12, because we know it comes in Romans 12, right? You know it's coming. We're going to talk about, this was the easy part. Now we're going to talk about this thing called being a living sacrifice. Why would we do that? Because from him, through him, and to him are all things. And friends, here in the life of our church, like I said, if we just know it's not about us, it's about holding on to God, it's about just living for him, it's about just saying, God, what do you want us to do? I don't understand, but I'm going to follow you wherever you're going. If we understand the purpose of this church is not to build up our brand, it's not to pay off our mortgage, it's not to be afraid. Oh, God, what's going to happen? And God says, it's a mystery. You wouldn't understand it even if I explained it to you. Don't worry about it. Worry about me, he says. Worry about following me. Worry about giving your life to me, surrendering to me, knowing who I am. Because if you know me, if you know me, you're going to follow me. And friends, we're going to do more than follow him. To him will be the glory forever. We're going to say, God, you are so great. Hey, do you know God? Well, I want you to know God. I want you to know God. Because this is what's made a difference in my life. Why does he love you? I don't know. It's a mystery. I wouldn't love me either. I don't know. But he does. That's the purpose of the church. 
God uses us to call others to know him and to call others back to confess before him, to say, God, why would you love me? And you say, I don't know. He goes, I know, I'm right, I feel the same way. But he does. Why me, God? The biblical answer is because he loves us. Let's pray. God, in all things that we would give you the glory that you would have all of our praise because you are majestic, you are above all these things. God, you call us in through all the ups and downs and twists and turns and all of our needs to try to get to the front and prove our way and show you that we've got it all together. We know that in the midst of this, as we learn in the book of Romans, what, God, what Paul's saying over and over again, no, not you, no, not you, and no, not you. That doesn't work either. Whatever you think is making you right before God, he says, it's not doing that. He says, surrender it. Stop doing it. Yes, I'm at work in this group right now and not at work in that group. I'm calling this person and not that person. And all you have to do is say, God, why me? I don't know, but thank you. God, thank you. God, more than that, I praise you. I belong to you. I live for you. I worship you. God, I give you all the glory. I give you all the thanks. I give you all of me, even my hurts. God, I want to be yours. I'm going to be real with the world around me. Why has God saved me? I don't know, but thank God that he does. And we say thank you, Jesus, with how we live, with what we do, with how we give, with what we're about, that all of that is about the kingdom and the mystery of the gospel, that we would belong to him, that we would be completely his this day. God, that we would indeed be your servants and that you would be our king, that you would rule over us this day. Father, as we go from this place, that we would belong completely to you, that we would indeed give you all the praise and all the adoration because you are the King of kings. You are above and over all things. God, rule and reign over our lives, over our church this week, that as you're at work, not just in us, but in Christians around the world, God, we pray for Christians in places like China who are being persecuted in Syria, God, for Christians in Africa, Christians in Iran and other nations that are being hunted down, God. Lord, we thank you that you're at work with them, that we would be able to support and love and minister to them. Lord, for Christians in, around the world, that we would know that we are one church, we are one people, and that we have one thing in common, that we don't know why you chose us, but we thank you, and God, we praise you that you did. God, use that realization that we belong to you in our lives this week, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please stand and sing with us as we sing. Crown him with many crowns. Crown him with many crowns.
remind our ruling elders and those who would like to pray, we're going to pray with Gail right at the service up here for her upcoming surgery. So you're welcome to be a part of that as well. But now, friends, go into all the world. Render to no one evil for evil, but strengthen the faint-hearted. Uphold the weak. Love and serve the Lord your God, rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all now and forevermore.